welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another Destiny Changing Word by David Entry from one of our Revival Seeking Youth Services. If you want to control your world, catch the word. Be blessed. Resurrection. It's an important aspect of your, of the message of Christianity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. Two more. Let's go. There are people in the early church. This is about 2,000 years ago. Within 30 years of Christ living, ascending to heaven, there were some people who were saying that uh, uh, there's no resurrection of the dead. Really, think about it. How many of you have seen anyone who died and resurrected before? When you are told that the person is gone, how many of you have, have lost loved ones before, friends before, you, you lost somebody? And it, it's that, that, that death remains a mystery to humanity. Even when you have an old granny, old, old grandfather or great grand, and you know them, you are hungry, you are around them, when they die, you feel it. Even though they are old. You know the person will die, but the day they die, it's like, oh no. Human being has never been able to reconcile himself to the fact of death. Because death has never been the friend of humanity. So death has a sting. And you see, the worst that could ever happen to a person is death. So the last enemy of man is death. And unfortunately, everybody's going to die. So in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, since the children have, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. So that by his death, he might, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That's the devil. Who holds the power of death? So now when you go to the New King James, it says that since the children are partakers or have partaken flesh and blood. Now we have been, we have flesh, this is flesh. This is flesh, flesh and the blood inside. Okay. So we are, there's no human being who is not flesh and blood. That's why everyone, no one of us will play around guns. Ghosts, you know ghosts don't fear guns. They're ghosts. <laughs> oh, you can shoot a ghost. No, you can't shoot a ghost. You can't stab a ghost by a human being. So we human beings, because we have flesh and blood, that's why we bleed. And once you run out of blood, you have run out of life. There can't be a human being without blood. That, that you cannot live as a human being without blood. Why? Why can't you? So when they drain all your blood, years ago, I think Abraham Lincoln or somebody, they have not discovered, they never, science did, had not developed to realize that there is life in the blood. So he was sick and they found out that his blood was contaminated. So to heal him, they decided to drain all his blood and replace. By the time they finished draining his blood, his life had been drained. Science had not developed to the level of at that time, knowing that 
the life is in the blood. But prior to that, even prior to scientific discovery, Bible has already said in Leviticus chapter 17, I think verse 11, that the, the, for the life of the flesh, where is it? I can't hear you. So when we say Jesus gave his life, or he shed his blood, meaning he shed his life, he gave his life, because the life is in the blood. That's why when they drain your blood, they have drained your life. So the life of a thing is in the blood. So Jesus, for him to shed his blood for us, he gave his life for us. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, that according to the law, almost all things are purged by blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Sins cannot be forgiven if someone's life has not flowed. So you know when you say, please, let's stop the bloodshed, what does that mean? Stop killing people. Killing people is equal to bloodshed. And since, since the children are partakers of flesh and blood, we are the children. He himself also likewise shared in the same. The same meaning also he had to share flesh and blood. So there is a reason why Jesus had to become flesh and blood. And it's hidden in this text. It's not hidden. It's obvious in this text. That through death, because if you don't have flesh and blood, you can't die. Spirits don't die. Through death, he might destroy. Why did he die? Because he was dying to kill death. He died to destroy the power of death. It's there in your Bible. That through death, he might destroy him uh, who had the power of death. There was someone who, was, who had the power of death, using death to control people's lives, to terrorize people. That's why the terrorists are so much. They have so much market. Yeah, you don't want to make, do anything that will make a terrorist angry. So if you don't have to, if you, if you are cartoonist, you have to stop painting cartoons. You have to stop. <laughs> Crazy people. So... Um, death has terror, and death terrorizes people. So one day, God said, I want to set the children free. Mm. But because they are partakers of flesh and blood, he had to also become the same, so that through death, he might destroy him who has the power of death. That is the devil. And that was in the end. The, verse, the next verse, verse 13. And release those who through the fear of death their lifetime were subject to bondage. He died to, to deal a major blow to the one who had the power of death, which is the devil. So when it comes to you, because of the death, death of Jesus, the devil has been paralyzed. He, he has, he, yes, clap for Jesus. He, he, he destroyed the devil. So in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, he says that, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over the, them in it. Look at verse 14. Christ, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that, were, that was against you. You know, there's always something against you, either from your mother's background or your father's background or your own background, things you have done, you know, things were not working for you. You feel like some, there's some negative aura around you. Every time you try to do things, it's not working. Uh, you alone, you can't pass an exam. You've written about 18 exams. All of this, you have failed. It's like there's something. Your brother failed. Your auntie failed. There's no one who passes exams. There's an, a handwriting of ordinance against you. 
ordinance means it's an ordination. And it's a handwriting of ordinance that is against you. It is contrary to you. You know, it's there, it's here in the Bible. It says that, all right, all right, now against us, which are contrary to us. You know what means to first time to be contrary? You are going south and the thing is pushing you north. Or you are going north and it's fighting you. It's contrary to your direction. Some of you, you are here, you don't understand. It's like there's something contrary to your life. There's something contrary to you. You know, you know something's not right. But unfortunately, it looks like you are fighting some invisible personalities. They are invisible and invincible. You can't overcome them. You can't even see them. Can you imagine? How, and then somebody slaps you. Say, Where are you? <laughs> you have to run from that room. You enter the room. And somebody's pulling your head. And then somebody's like, hey, who is that? <laughs> you have to run. Some of you, we don't see you reacting like that. But there's something fighting you. It fought your father. It fought your mother. It's like every male in your family has to go to prison. There's a guy who told me some time ago, he said, there's nobody in my family who finishes university. These are some of the things called handwriting of ordinance that are contrary to you. But Jesus Christ, that he blotted, he had a big eraser. Jesus blotted those handwriting, erased. Come on. Shout hallelujah. That's why if you are not doing church, you are a very miserable person. Because there's still handwriting of ordinance against you. Going to church, you don't you are not doing anybody a favor by coming to church and sitting down. No, 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 no. We have been having good time before you show up. <laughs> you just don't know what you are missing. So there are things against you. There are things against some of you in your family, nobody gets married. Nobody gets married. The only one who got married ended up dying. It's like that. Every family has issues. And I don't know, you might look like you're an angel, but come on, your background is very, very interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Everybody. So there is some form of handwriting of ordinance that is against you. But thank God for the death of Christ. He blotted it out. Say, he blotted it out. That's serious. He says, clean it. He wiped it. Every handwriting of ordinance that was against you, that was contrary to us. And he just didn't wipe it. Took it out of the way and he, he took it to the cross and nailed it to the cross. And you know what he did? When he nailed it to the cross, he left it on the cross and came down on the cross. He just, he just walked away from the cross. He nailed it to the cross and he walked away from the cross. And remained the handwriting of ordinance were still nailed, blotted out. And then he says that after nailing to the cross, and he made he, he having spoiled, he spoiled principalities, principalities about us, demonic entities, spiritual, he spoiled them. Wow. Do you see how bad it is for your cousin not to be born again? Because when you look at the things going on in your family, your cousin better because your mom just died and is coming to. Uh, is coming to him, is coming to her. She better run away and come and look for refuge. Mm. And then when they come to church, too, you, you look at your background. Mm. Look at how messy and satanic, satan, Satan has dominated your background. Wow. Nothing good works in your background. And you come to church and you're coming to bluff. 
They say, sister, I won't do anything. Hey, hey, please, please. Humble yourself. We want to help you. Well, let's get back to the resurrection. So, since the children were flesh and blood, he himself partook, shared in the same, that he might destroy him through death, he might destroy him who has the power of death, which is the devil. So, his dying was necessary. His dying was death with a purpose. From this text, you can tell that there was a purpose for his death. He died not only to pay for our sins. Ah, One of the reasons why he died was to take away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So that's one of the reasons why he died. But another reason why he died was also to destroy him who has the power of death. Who, who, who is the one who has the power of death? Yeah. Very clear in your Bible. It's, it's very straightforward. So he might destroy him who had the power of death. So he died to pay for our sins, and he died to destroy him who has the power of death. Okay. Now, when we are talking about Jesus' purpose, what was the, his purpose on earth? To come and die on the cross. And didn't he die? So why again? What then? What about the resurrection? I mean, he has died. He's done the job. Didn't he say it at the last time? Didn't he say it is finished on the cross? John chapter 19, verse 30. He said it is finished. I've done the job. The job is done. Jesus has come to die. Okay, didn't he die? He died. Crucified, suffered. Crucified under Pontius Pilate. Suffered, dead, eh? and was buried. So that's where the story. What is the purpose? Why do we have to make his resurrection such a big thing? In Acts chapter 1 verse 22. In Acts chapter 3 verse 15. In Acts chapter uh, chapter, um, 4 verse 2. Let's go. Oh, must we come witness what with all of what? What were they witnessing? The resurrection. Their message was the resurrection. Their message was what? The resurrection. That was what they were witnessing. All throughout the scripture, like Matthew chapter uh, um, 20, verse 18 and 19, and then Matthew chapter 16, verse um, 20, 21. Matthew 20, 18, 19 talks about, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. But that's not the end of the story. The death of Christ is not the end of the story. Even though he said it's finished, the purpose of his death has been accomplished, but his dying was not the end of the story. So look at the next verse. He said, and they would put him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And death, ah, that wasn't the end. The end is the resurrection. The third day, he will rise again. The third day, he will rise again. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, it says that from that time, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and what? He will be killed, but that's not the end. He said, and be killed, and in Luke chapter 24, when they went to the tomb to go and look for 
the body. They met an angel in the verse, from verse 5, Luke 24, verse 5. The powerful scripture, it says that as they were, uh, 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 then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, this, they met these angels from verse 4, why do you look for the, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Yeah, he's not here. He's risen. Every time he spoke about his death, he always ended it with the resurrection. He said, remember, he told you. You are coming to look for him here. He's not among the dead. He's already alive. So when he appeared to John in the book of Revelation chapter 1 verse 18, he said, I am he who was dead and I'm alive. I am he who lives and I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. So he always makes reference to his death, but his death was not the end. After his death, we are always made to know that his death preceded his resurrection. So, ought not the Christ to have suffered all these things and on the third day rise from the dead? He rose from the dead. God raised him from the dead. Sometimes you read the Bible, okay, I didn't want to say it, but I've already got it. Let me just throw that in. Sometimes you read the Bible and you come across Jesus was raised. Much of the times, a lot of the places in Romans chapter 8 verse 11, it tells about if the spirit of him who, dwell, uh, who raised Christ from the dead. So you can point, you can tell that Christ was raised. Okay. He didn't rise. <laughs> All right. okay. it, there's a third person involved, or, sorry, a second person involved. Christ was, is there in your Bible. Christ, in Acts chapter, chapter 2, verse 24, 23 talks about they killed him. 24 said that, but God, did you see that? But God raised him up. So it's like he was there, but it was God who did the resurrection. God raised him up. In Acts chapter, nine, uh, chapter 17, verse 31, it talks about the resurrection. Verse 31, because he has appointed a, a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained and has given assurance to this to all by raising him. God raised him. So really, the resurrection was an act of God. When you look at Acts chapter 10, verse 40 and 41, that tells us two different stories. That's a very interesting one. Let's read it, let's go. Him. God raised him. But the next statement tells us that he rose. So who did the rising? Did, God, he, did he rise or God raised him? Look at the next verse. Not to other people, but to witnesses. Witnesses. That's interesting. Witnesses. You know, we must be witness of the resurrection. To witnesses chosen by God, even to us who ate, watch this, who ate and drank with him after So was he raised or he arose? So Jesus' resurrection, which one is it? Is it him or God raised him? Hallelujah. Yes. You remember um, Acts chapter 26, 26 verse 8. He said, why do you think it's a thing impossible and great that God should So it looks like it was God who did it. Really, really, 
There's a, a slight difference, but the resurrection really was God who raised him. But why did God have to ra- uh, raise him? God raised him because he was man. He arose to show that he was God. Do you understand? So anytime you see God raise him, God is, we are pointing to the fact that he's man. Because which, can, which human being can die and get up by himself? Man don't get up by himself. But he said, God raised him in Acts chapter, chapter, um, uh, chapter 13, verse 33. God raised him to make a statement. God fulfilled this for us, his children. The promise he has made to our fathers, verse 32. He fulfilled to us, his children, in that he has raised up God. God raised him. Jesus died. So God will raise him. But when Jesus was going to die, he says that the Son of Man is going to Jerusalem. Matthew chapter um, 16, verse 21. And he'll be uh, handed to the scribes, the, the chief priests, and the uh, people, and they will kill him. He'll be killed. And be raised. Do you see that? You see that? And be raised on the third day. So there are more evidence that shows that he was raised in his humanity. Christ died as a human being because God doesn't die. But he rose as God. So Christ was raised. Now, the point is, the early church, their main preaching was the resurrection. Acts chapter 4, verse 33 Let's, let's read it out loud together. Oh, what, what witness did they give? That was what they were preaching. In Acts chapter 2, verse 31, they gave witness of the resurrection. And God has raised, of which we are all witnesses. So they were witnesses of the resurrection. Acts chapter 17, verse 18. Thank you, Jesus. Then certain Epicureans and Stoic philosophers encountered him. They encountered him and said, and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be, uh, to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and what? That's Paul. That was the message they were preaching. Now, I've said enough of that to show you that they were preaching about the resurrection. But why? If Jesus' death was what did the job, why do you have to preach the resurrection? What's the importance of the resurrection? You can't have Easter without resurrection. Easter Sunday is more important than Good Friday. You know what I mean. Good Friday. Because really, there was nothing really good about the Friday because he died. They killed him. But the death is good news that someone died. You were supposed to have died and someone swapped. That's, what, that's why it's called Good Friday. Because that Friday, that Friday was in the death of Christ, death died. In the death of Christ, death died. So that was good news that finally the, the greatest terror, terrorist of humanity has been killed. On the, on the, that's why it's called Good Friday. That's the day he died. So, that should have been good enough. But you can't really have Easter. We needed a good Friday because Easter Sunday is coming. 
So what's the difference? What's the importance of Easter? Should I tell you why Easter Sunday is more important? That's the focus on what I'm teaching about. Why did they preach the resurrection? They, they witnessed the resurrection. Everywhere they were going, they were just witnessing resurrection, 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 resurrection. But why? Why did they have to preach? Why was the resurrection so important if the purpose was just dying? It, whether he resurrected or not, hasn't he died? He has, de- he has died. He is dead. He's he, 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 he dead. It. Because through death, he will destroy him who has, he has died. So why the resurrection? And then within 30 years after Jesus has died and gone, there are people who are saying that, you know, there's no, no human being resurrected. There will not be resurrection. So Paul has to address the situation. He said, listen, you Corinthians church, people are going around you saying all kinds of things. And it's trending amongst you. That people don't resurrect. So Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read it earlier on, verse 12, that if there is no resurrection, he said, now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised, did you see that? That he been raised again, right? He has been raised from the dead. How do some of you or some amongst you say there is no resurrection of the dead? They were not saying Christ didn't resurrect. What was trending seems to be okay because we are not touching Christ. We are only touching that you. They are telling you one day you resurrect. Forget it. Enjoy your life now. Do all you can do. Enjoy. So Paul is saying that, but if we are preaching, what is very important? Now, if, if Christ is preached that he has been raised, what was the content of the preaching? Christ has been raised. Any pre- what is a preaching that does not talk about resurrection? If you see anyone who says uh, he's a preacher, who said the resurrection of Christ doesn't matter, run away from the person. You can't be a a proper preacher of God if you downplay the resurrection. Now I'll show you something. So it says that if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how, how do some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? When you say there's no resurrection of the dead, do you know the implication? You are not saying Christ hasn't resurrected, but you guys are beginning to entertain that kind of philosophy. That human being, there's a big bang. When you begin to entertain certain philosophy and ideology, it's going to spoil you. But if we we make people know that there is a a big judge, and he'll judge everybody for what they do, and he sends everybody here for an assignment. If you know you have been sent here for an assignment, and one day the one who sent you is going to question you, you be careful how you live your life. Even though some things might not be convenient, it's like you go to university and you have an exam pending. Your, or your, your parents pay heavy fees, big fees, and send you to some top university in Russia. <laughs> and you go there and you're just partying around and you know your father does not take nonsense. When you remember exam coming, you, you cut down on your party because you know you came here to study. So, it's be, it becomes very important that you give priority to study because you are going to give an account of what you have done in Russia. In the same way, I know, I know, it doesn't matter. You, when you die, you realize that, hey, have I woken up? Yeah, you thought resurrection was not real. Everybody, no, resurrection is not only for Christians. So it's not safe not to be in Christ because you stand the risk of dying in your sins. 
And there's only one thing that everybody is going to face. Death. Sometimes come to young people, babies, old people, very, very old people, nice people, not so nice people, bad people, wise people, foolish people, educated people, uneducated people. Everybody! Death is coming. Jesus is the only one who chose where he would die, how he would die, and when he would die. He was the only one who could tell, I'm going to die here. This is the time I will die. It's almost like suicide. But he didn't kill himself. He's a special man. And he resurrected. Now, the, the point here is, let me run up. It says that if people say that Christ has no, uh, there's no resurrection, they are trying to say that our preaching is in vain. That's, that, that, that's the, look at the next verse. Yeah. Wow. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Mm-hmm. Wow. So if you say dead people can't resurrect, that means Christ is not risen. This is called logic. Okay. By inference, if you are saying no one resurrects, by implication, you are saying Christ was never resurrected. And now, so if you are saying Christ is not resurrected, they didn't resurrect. Do you know the implications? That's the purpose of the message now. So if Christ didn't resurrect, what's the big deal? Oh, it's a big deal. No, but what's the big deal? No, I'm telling you, it's a big deal. What's the big deal? Oh, it's because it's a big deal because an innocent person died and he didn't. There are lots of innocent people who died, they never come back. No, no one comes back. So, but why must Christ come back? It's not to prove his innocence. Even though that is it. They, do you know why they crucify him? They crucify him. They, they, they said you are guilty of saying you are the son of God. God said I will raise him to prove you to you that he was right. But that's not the main thing. Look at the text again. If Christ is not risen. Oh, let's look at the next verse then. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. You see, every preacher who says, oh, the resurrection doesn't matter. Is preaching is empty. Any preacher, any pastor, any vicar, any pope, any bishop who says that the resurrection is not important is an empty preacher. He's just a motivational speaker. He's a life coach. But he's not speaking on the behalf of God. Because so then, if we say Christ did not resurrect, that means that our preaching is empty. Now, if Christ did not resurrect and our preaching is empty, that means that, oh, we are wasting our time here. Yeah. Do you know that much of our time in church is geared towards listening to preaching? Yeah. And if that's the chunk of our time, it's a very a useless waste of time. Yeah. If Christ didn't resurrect, then there's no preaching. Why? Because, oh, that is why some of you, since you stepped here, your life has changed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not because the pastor is well, is so educated and so intelligent and so... No, 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 no. You can have an emeritus, professor emeritus of English, and he can teach you and preach to you. You won't change. People don't get changed because you are reasoning with their minds. People get changed because the power of God has hit their hearts. Sometimes you can tell. Some of you, you backslid during the lockdown. You left during the lockdown. You wanted to blow time. But something 
You wanted to live a soft life. Because they call you, we have free yard. Can we come over? Can, we call, can you come over, please? Come over, please. Send you a WhatsApp or send you uh, Snapchat. I've got free yard. You go for free yard, but afterwards you feel like something will not let you go. I dare you, if you are genuinely born again, you struggle to backslide comfortably. You go, but you can't go. You try, but you, some of you try to leave, but you can't. You've tried, you say, oh, this church is not for me. And you went to nightclub afterwards, you couldn't for sleepless nights for, so you saw someone preaching, and when they were preaching, you, were, you don't know why you were crying. It's a spam. You don't know why you are crying. You can't be talking for people to cry. Because a lot of pastors preach. It doesn't make a difference. But when, how come somebody is preaching and you feel like this thing is, it's, it's, it's arresting you. It, it's, it's going past your just thinking. Sometimes you don't want to get, give you your focus. But the thing is cutting. It's getting to you. Some of you since I started preaching, I'm wondering, what this man, something, I don't, something is getting to me. Because God's seed is getting to you. God is trying to save you from going to hell. So that means since he resurrected, it gives power to the preaching. It gives, you are, I'm just preaching, but what most of you don't know, I'm just preaching, but what most of you don't know, is not, it's, just, it's, that, it's not just the words I'm speaking, there is some power behind what is happening. It's invisible, you can't see it. It's behind the scenes. It's the power of God. It's working on your heart. Do you remember you invited your friend? He came here. Mm, he said, Me. Some of you, you are shocked you could sit down for two hours listening to preaching. Wow. You can't even take one hour church. Yeah, I, can't, I can't do that. But you have come here two hours. You are, you are even now, previously you won't get up. Now you have joined those who rise. Yes, yes, yes. yes. What, what, what has happened to you? What has happened to you? The seed of God has entered you. It's called a sperm. So we are born again by, not by uh, corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed of the word of God. First Peter chapter one, having been born again, not of corruptible seed. So you get born again of a seed. But I said the seed that gets you born again is not seed that you can destroy. That's why some of you, you can't backslide. Because come, the thing is inside you. Yes. You backslide, you come back to church. Hey. So stay in church because it doesn't matter where you go. You will never have peace. Yeah. You will never have peace. You will never, and some of you, you are now about to be born again because grandma has been praying for you. Wow. They knew you to be a notorious gangster. Wow. You never could walk straight. Hey. You always walk like one leg is broken. <laughs> notorious gangster. But the good news is the seed of God is coming to you. And this seed changes with people. Why? Because Christ was arrested to give it the power. So sit down, let me show you something. He, he rose from the dead, or he was raised from the dead, and now, when we are preaching, he begins to blow a seed on a word. He's, he's, he gives the word the power, because he wouldn't have been able to be there to do it. That's why I said that preaching is more powerful than prophesying. Because preaching, New Testament preaching, is based on the resurrection. It's called the power of the resurrection. It's the power. It breaks every yoke of the devil. They can prophesy to you. They can tell you about things to happen. 
It doesn't mean it can change anything about your life. But when we preach, Christ himself begins to breathe. He begins, he, Christ is his word. He begins to move to you, move into your life through his word that is being preached. And that couldn't have happened if you had stayed in a grave. So tell your brother, take Jesus off the cross. He's no more on the cross. You can wear the cross, but you don't need Jesus on it. He left the cross a long time ago. He's left the cross. Long time ago. He's no more on the cross. He's no more on the cross. So there are certain churches like Baptist Church, Presbyterian Church, Methodist Church, and I even think Church of England. The Baptist Church, every Baptist Church has a cross. And you will never see a cross with Jesus on it in the Baptist Church, in the Methodist churches. You don't know. He left the cross, and he didn't stay in the grave. He resurrected from the grave. And when he resurrected from the grave, in Luke, in Luke chapter 24, verse, verse, Luke chapter 24, verse 45, Bible said, then he opened their understanding. Ah, ah, then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That means before he died, they couldn't understand it. They couldn't understand it. The, the sin was not getting into them. But when he resurrected, he opened their eyes. See, now let me t- t- show you something. In the verse 30, Bible says that then they, when they arrived, verse 30, and then now it came to pass, as they sat at table to, uh, with him, that he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes opened. Then their eyes were opened. And they knew that, ha, ah, so it was Jesus who was working with us. Before Jesus died, when he is with you, you know that Jesus is here. After he died and resurrected, he was with them, but it's like kind of disguised. They couldn't see. He had to open because the eyes were closed. As you walk, your eyes are closed. There are real things in life you won't see. So he, he then opened their eyes and they knew him. But do you think they were walking like this? No. They were already walking, having a conversation, two guys. And Jesus came alongside them, but they didn't recognize it was him. Why? Because their eyes couldn't depict the resurrected Jesus. And, but when he gave them bread and they ate the bread, the Bible says, then their eyes were open and they knew that it was him. Then he vanished. Before he resurrected, he couldn't vanish. He vanished. You can lock the door, he'll show up in the, he'll just come inside. He didn't need keys. So you can imagine when they, they sealed the tomb with the stone. He didn't need the stone to be rolled away because he could walk through doors. He was wearing clothes that they, were, they didn't buy. After resurrection, he got new clothes. Where did he get it from? So he, 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 the resurrected body is a very unique body. Yeah. And that's what we are going to get. Hallelujah. Yeah. He said that it does not appear how we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, when we see him, we shall be like him. Bible says within a twinkle of an eye, we shall be, we shall, we shall be changed. Within, like that, we will be changed. And this corruptible shall put on incorruption. Bible talks about how he will give us glorious bodies. So his resurrection is what gives us the hope that one day we shall also have these glorious bodies. Hallelujah. Glorious body, you won't sweat. You won't be hungry. Hey, let me tell you something. The resurrection body does not grow old. Jesus Christ was, was crucified at the age of 33 and he resurrected at the age of 33. And you know his age now, he's still 33 years. 2,000 years later, he's still 33 years. Because it defies natural systems. If, even though it looks natural, it defies natural. That's the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. 
And so the Bible says that their eyes were open and it vanished from their sight. But look at the next verse, verse 32. Guys, ah, this is too good. And they said one to another, did, did not our heart burn? When he was preaching, I knew something was happening to me. He used to preach before he died. They, they, some would believe some would. But this time, he did Bible studies with them. On a road, on the road, roadside Bible studies. Yes, in the verse 27. Look at verse 27. Bible says, begin, and beginning at Moses, that's the book of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, it's called Moses. Beginning, the Deuteronomy, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expound, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So he was showing them. Whilst they were walking on the roadside, that's why you can preach to somebody by the roadside. Yes. You can pray for somebody, Holy Ghost baptism by the roadside. Yes. Whilst they were walking, he was, saying, he was showing them in scripture. He was showing them. In, but you know what? Something was happening to them. They didn't realize. They realized that as he was speaking to us, our hearts were burning. Some of you, as I'm preaching, you're already having burning sensations in your heart. Do you know what makes that happen? The resurrection. As, as he was preaching, he said, did our hearts, look at verse 32, he said, did our hearts not bear within us? Whilst he talked to us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us, the scriptures are closed. It takes the resurrected Jesus to open the scriptures. I don't know, pastor, when you preach, I get understand so much, but I've been, I've been in church all my life. My parents are church leaders, but I, I never understood anything because the book was closed. come to open the book, but it's not me. The resurrected Jesus is here. So why is the resurrection necessary? So that preaching can work. Preaching. Don't joke with a resurrection power field preaching. It will change you, whether you like it or not. It will change you. It will change you. Like when you inhale bad smoke, you <coughs> you can't say me, I don't mind. No, you, you, you begin to choke. Because you are a human being. In the same way, when you expose yourself to resurrection, power preaching, you don't have a choice. You begin, it begins to affect you. That's why sometimes it's good to invite people to church. Get them exposed to the resurrection power. They will begin to realize that something is changing in them. After church, they say, what, what did you say? Oh, yeah. You know, church is not my thing, but I want to come back. Yeah. Come. What do you think? Oh, I, I like it. It was nice. I, I will come back. Yeah. What do you think? The, the next time you say, oh, Jesus, I need you. And the next time you say, one pray, did you praise and worship? Yeah. Shout hallelujah. Yeah. No pastor can, can, can convince you to be born again. It is the resurrection power. Yeah. Resurrection power. He says, whatsoever was gained to me, Philippians chapter 3, whatsoever thing were gained to me, those I count as dung from verse 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah, I count them as nothing, as rubbish that for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Yes. Then verse 8, yet, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count those things I have suffered as rubbish. As rubbish. The, the actual Greek word translated rubbish is, is dung. Is used menstrual part. He said, I count precious things in my life as used menstrual cloth. Why? 
Why? It's not because it's not important. But when you compare it to knowing Christ, those things are rubbish. That I might know. It's there. It's, look, that I may gain Christ. You want to gain Christ and still keep your boyfriend. You want to gain Christ and still keep your girlfriend. You want to gain Christ and still keep your friends. Those friends. Those friends that are destroying your lives. You want to gain Christ and still keep them. You want to gain Christ and still keep some bad things you are doing. So, you know, that's the only way I've, I've been getting money. I, I, want to, I have to keep changing my trainers, you know. So, man, I have to do it. Even though I like church. I, you can't keep the two. Jesus said you can't serve two masters at a time. You can't keep the two. You can't keep the two. God is not a marketing officer. He's not looking for business. He's a savior. He wants to save you. There's a difference between uh, somebody into marketing and someone into salvation. Jesus is a savior. He's not a marketing officer looking for customers to come to church. In fact, he got to a time he had to drive some people out of church. Because he doesn't want them in because they are not interested in what he's got to offer. He's a savior. Jesus is the savior of the whole world. Savior of you, your savior. That is why he wants to save you. A lot of things are going on in your life. You need Jesus. Yes. I know I'm talking to somebody now. Yeah. You, you, you need Jesus. So much is going on in your life. You see, you need Jesus. You, you, I'm never happy because you need Jesus. Things are so bad because you need Jesus. You've tried everything. It's not working. You've tried girls. You've tried boys. You've tried alcohol. You've tried drugs. You've tried everything. You've tried money. You've got money some. You've bought this. You've tried cars. You've tried video games. You've tried everything. You've tried partying. You've been to Ayanapa. You've been to uh, 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 Vegas. You've been to Vegas. Afro Nation. You've done everything. But you can still tell something is wrong. Something wrong. Something wrong. Sometimes you can tell something is missing in your life. And I'm telling you, that missing thing is not a boy. That missing thing is not a boy. If you need a savior, you are lost. You are lost. You are lost. You are lost. Maybe it's no one has told you before. I'm telling you, you are lost. When you are lost, something is not right. Have you ever gone somewhere and maybe you are going somewhere and you are using SADNAV and you put in the postcode SE17. The postcode is SE17YJH and you put in NE17YH. But you realize that where this thing is taking me, no, no, just not this. No, no, One day I was going to uh, Co- Coventry to go and preach. I was in a hurry. Right from Dafo. I put in the postcode. It's, I, so I started driving, and then I just looked at the direction. I followed the direction. It was taking me through Willis. So I thought maybe, okay, Blackwell Tunnel, then it cock. But when we are going towards Blackwell, it, it changed me. It's taking me to Peckham. I'm wondering, but I, I'm, I'm going to Coventry. Why am I going to Peckham? Then I check the time. And it says about two hours. No. But where I'm going? No, no. That, sorry. The time was saying something less than two hours. About, about, uh, well, no. Where I'm going is about two hours. So I realized something was not right. So but I put in the right postcode. Then later on, I said, you know, let me check. On I said, hey! I put in the wrong postcode. You are putting the wrong postcode. That's why you are not happy. That's why life, you, you can tell you are lost. You know, I'm talking to you. You know you are lost. You have smoked and smoked, done drag and drag, done boys and boys, done, done girls and girls. You've done, you've stolen, you've done nothing. You've even gone to prison and come, but still you know something is wrong. Something is missing. 
your life is out of place. Your life is out of place. You just know. You just, you just, you just know. It's like you want to sit down on a chair and then you are sitting here. But you realize you can't. Normally the chair should be able to recline. And, but this one, I'm falling. That's why some of you, your life is like, something is not right. You are sitting on the wrong chair, boy. And what you need is a savior. Tell somebody, what you need is a savior. Don't let you enter your head that you have friends in high places. Don't let you enter your head you are so intelligent, academically great. Still, you need Jesus. You are lost. You are lost. You are the missing piece is Jesus. And what you know what I like about Jesus? Nobody ever comes to Jesus. Jesus said, no, you are too dirty. Never. He doesn't reject anybody. He says, come. Come on to me, all you who are laid, labor and heavy laden. And I, oh, oh, come on. He said, come on to me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Pastor, Pastor, I, I feel suicidal. Because you are lost. Because I, I'm always depressed. I always can't sleep. Because you are lost. You need a savior. Say, come on to me. Put you on the screen. All ye who labor and you are heavy laden. The, the, the weight is too much for you. The weight is too much. He said, come and I will give you rest. If you don't have Jesus, I tell you, read my lips. You are lost. And the path on which you are is taking you straight. You are M1 to hell. If you die right now, hell will be very happy to welcome you. You are lost. We were all lost. No one was born on the right path. No one was born, even if your parents are pastors. You can't be born on the right path. Everyone, as soon as you are born, you are on the wrong path. You have to find Jesus. And Jesus is our Savior. That's why he resurrected. So the preaching I'm preaching. Something is happening to your heart. Don't block your heart. Because God is trying to work on your heart. He's working on you. He's working on you, boy. God is working on you, girl. That addiction is subject to breaking. God is working on you. Pastor, but you don't know the things I've done. No, no, no. No one wants to know. Spare us the details. The truth is you need salvation. That's why. And God has salvation for you. Oh, come on. I feel like preaching. Come on to me. All ye who labor and are heavy laden. It doesn't mean you go, my, my, my weight is too much. He said, all ye. Not only those who, whose weight is light. Pastor, not only those whose weights are light. All ye. God bless you for listening to this powerful message. May the power of God be evident in your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube and listen to more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms. You can also connect with David Entry and our youth ministry at Caris Phase 2 on Instagram and TikTok and at Caris on Campus on Snapchat so you are always up to date. Be blessed.